Welcome everybody to On Podcast, the Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I am your co-host today, Kareem Anderson, and I'm joined by the world's greatest co-host, Riff Backus. Yeah, and we are here again in January to bring you some news. And actually, to start off the month, to start off the year 2022, there's been actually quite a bit of news for Microsoft. We have everything from uh, new UI changes in Windows 11, small ones, uh, to the discontinuation of uh, Xbox devices uh, being made. Uh, we were saying goodbye and sunsetting, I guess, last generation officially. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're going to get into all of the headlines just to kind of give you an overview of what we're going to be talking about and hopefully make you want to stay and listen a little bit longer. Uh, do you want to start uh, telling people what we're going to be talking about? So the biggest news is Windows 11 finally has uh, new volume sliders that aren't left over from Windows 8. That is our yes. first topic. Yeah, we've been, we've been really wanting to dig into that one. So we'll get into that. We also have uh, some improvements to your the, your phone app. Uh, they're calling you improvements. Uh, and then we'll be jumping into uh, refreshed service devices. Uh, yes, there is a few new service devices that, have, that we're going to be talking about in January, even though we had a big showcase in uh, late October or late September, I believe. Then we'll also get into some Xbox news, which uh, the Series X and the S uh, hit a new milestone, 12 million consoles sold. But at the same time, Microsoft also confirmed that the Xbox One, the original fat boy Xbox One, is now discontinued. Yeah, speaking of gaming, we're going to be talking about, uh, Bo- uh, how do you pronounce it, Mo- Mojang? Mo- Mojang, in our fast Mojang. recap. Uh, is postponing the Minecraft event. Uh, we're going to be talking about some Forza Street mobile games being shut down, and uh, you have some information about semiconductor chip makers, don't you? Yep, uh, that is for our fast recap. But we skipped our biggest topic, which is the Surface Laptop SE, which I've had in my hand since last week, and I've had some time to pair on with it. I talked about the software side over on our YouTube channel, but today I just want to showcase the hardware a little bit for you and get that on camera. Yeah, I was going to save that to the end because it is hardware, and I know people love to uh, talk about hardware. So, yeah, we'll have that, and then we'll also be kind of wrapping up our podcast with uh, the weekend review and kind of things that we have planned coming up. With all that being said, let's just get you guys into the news, shall we? Yeah, so the first topic and the biggest topic is the new volume sliders in the latest Windows 11 Dev Channel build. You're laughing. It seems like uh, just it's a, a little stu- bit. <laughs> it seems like it's a stupid thing, but since Windows 11 came out and even Windows 10, people have been complaining. Why are the volume sliders? Why are the brightness sliders that pop up when you click the hardware key uh, for that uh, setting on your keyboard? Why is it the same one? that's left over from Windows 8. Is Microsoft not doing anything to differentiate between the different Windows versions? And well, now they finally delivered. There's a new uh, hardware sliders in the latest Windows 11 dev channel build, and they moved the location. So now when you click the brightness uh, button on your keyboard or the volume button on your keyboard, instead of getting the pop-up on the right side, uh, sorry, the left side of your screen, like it was in previous version of Windows, they now show up at the bottom of your taskbar, right right above where the start menu usually would appear. And it's a very nice, fluent design that matches the rest of Windows 11. Yeah, I think, uh, digging into this, I think that Microsoft uh, took inspiration from Metro a little bit with the beginning of Windows 10 kind of uh, going into the acrylic phase and some other things like that, translucent back uh, panels, things like that. So there was no real 
need as far as a UI design standpoint. It was a huge eyesore to have that volume slider uh, there in the top corner or whatnot. I think what more, what more people wanted out of that slider area or the volume thing was more functionality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was always, you, you know, there are concepts, and maybe you'll have some in the B-roll, of people who added stuff into that, into that slider as far as, uh, you know, navigating music alone. Like, you'd be able to uh, see more information about stuff that's in Spotify or, I guess, Groove at the time or whatever, you know, um, uh, app you were using that needed volume controls. Uh, I think they ended up pairing that stuff into the uh, action settings. And so basically what people wanted was sort of that functionality that was in the action settings for volume to kind of be placed in that top corner. Uh, Microsoft never did that. I guess they were just saving it uh, for Windows 11. Now with the way the Windows 11 is kind of designed with its rounded corners, things like that, uh, that square, rectangle, you know, hard-edged uh, yep. version of the, of the slider was more of an eyesore for a lot of people. Like, you know, I think Zach Bowden constantly kept saying, when are they going to update this? When are they going to update this? Uh, now the new design is, you know, more fitting to Windows 11. The only criticism I have of it is it's it's rather small, and if for people with, you know, who are centered around mouse pointer interaction, that's just fine. Uh, it's an indicator for anybody who's using the keyboard. Uh, but for anybody who, you know, wants to use touch, which Microsoft says Windows 11 is supposed to be for, it's not only kind of sort of inconvenient to where it's at because it's not near anybody's thumbs; it sits right above. Uh, your taskbar right in the center mm-hmm. of it. So you kind of have to reach your thumb across if you're holding a tablet, uh, like say like a Surface Go or even the Surface Pro 8, which is much, you know, slightly bigger than the 7 and anything else. Uh, it's really kind of inconvenient for that. And the thumb targets, you know, aren't very large. So I don't know if this is, you know, I hopefully them testing it out uh, and maybe making it, you know, if they don't make the icons or the uh, pixelation bigger, at least widening it. Because uh, right now it's, I'd say it's about the size of maybe I'm going across a little bit or something yeah, like that. It's, it's, maybe it's pretty small, yeah. Yeah, maybe widening it across the taskbar to give people who are using touch-friendly uh, uh, devices uh, something to use. That's not um, but good, good job, Microsoft. Speaking of using, if you're using the earphone app on Windows 11, you probably noticed that the 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 way that the calls experience looks when that pop-up little call box that you get, it doesn't quite match with the rest of the operating system, it visually at least. Well, just like how the new volume slider now matches with the rest of Windows 11, the new calls experience also matches. Uh, my, Microsoft said that it's available for all Windows insiders in the dev channel. And it, this is a new in-progress call window with updated icons, fonts, and other UI changes to better align with the improved design of Windows 11. And it still works as before. Nothing's changed in terms of functionality. It's just a new fresh coat of paint. Yeah, I mean, your phone is getting uh, really good. Uh, I remember when it first started out, uh, it was kind of, uh, you know, it fell behind, I guess, the third-party solutions. I believe Dell has one. Samsung has one as well. Uh, but now I think it's, you know, heads and shoulders above both of those. I think it's head and shoulders above even what Chrome is building, or I mean, what Android is building into Chrome as well. Uh, so, you know, these new call features are great. Uh, if Microsoft can just start tying more Android devices into the functionality as far as, like, apps, uh, app mirroring and things like that, uh, I think, you know, we'll have a solution. I don't know what Google plans to bring down the road. Uh, I know that they made some kind of announcement at CES about uh, like fast pairing and some other things like that for uh, with Windows devices. And I think they're going to kind of go about their own way of doing this, their own sort of solution that doesn't involve actually talking to Microsoft, which seems to be their MO. I don't know why. <laughs> but 
for anybody who's using or you know in the Microsoft ecosystem, in the Windows ecosystem, I think your phone is a great, uh, great addition. Especially, I mean, now I'm actually, you know, just when I tried it out, I was trying out the text messaging portion of it, and my messages are coming in much quicker. Uh, I used to default to Android messages because they were basically a one-for-one one, uh, when I would send a message, receive a message in the Your Phone app. When I would send a message, it would take forever. You see the sending sign. Sometimes it would just hang and things like that. Since this new update, I know that it's focused on the call experience, but it seems like they've tweaked some stuff in the messaging too. So for any of you who uh, were hesitant or previous users and kind of dropped out for the same reasons I did uh, or were thinking about it, I would suggest trying it again to see uh, if, you know, see if it's working for you or if it'll work for you in the future. Now get us into these new refresh Surface devices. We have one here today to, well, not one of the ones that were announced, but we have a Surface device to talk about. But there were other Surface devices that Microsoft refreshed this past week. Yeah, Microsoft, uh, and I, can't, I think I get mentioned that you know Microsoft is going to start doing this. Uh, they are extending some of their the life cycles of the devices, particularly with the Surface Go three and the Pro eight. Uh, by releasing some sort of January updates. Uh, it seems like maybe this will be going forward for at least the Pro device. Last January, we got the Surface uh, 7 Plus, which became a commercial product, uh, but it was basically introduced uh, uh, um, a different chipset. This time around, the Surface Pro 8 is getting LTE. Uh, at least that's what they're announcing. And the Surface Go 3, which kind of you know has had a fizzled kind of announcement <laughs> since, since its release, um, is getting a matte black. I mean, it's not getting you any you know more powerful of a processor, which most of us are hoping for. But we're at least getting a matte black to match the Surface Pro 8, uh, if that's your kind of uh, visual aesthetic. I know that MKVHD loves his matte black everything, so maybe he'll pick one of these up. And because he's already dropped the Surface, maybe the, I mean the Surface Duo. <laughs> maybe this will be his replacement <laughs> for that. So yeah, those are our two updates. Uh, if you're thinking about prices, I know we always talk about these things and never give you guys prices, but uh, we're I think the what is it, the Wi-Fi, oh, the, the black Surface Go 3 uh, with the Intel i3 core processor, which is a Wi-Fi only model, will cost around $629.99. Uh, the version with LTE is about 100 bucks more. So just keep that in mind if you're going to go shopping for uh, a Go with uh, LTE, which I would actually suggest because uh, if you don't like the Duo for whatever reason, uh, this is, I think, a much better solution. I mean, it actually is a computer uh, that you can take with you if you're going to go Traveling, uh, you know, and I'm not saying you need to hop on a flight because you know maybe it's not safe. But if you're going to go hiking, <laughs> if you're going to go to the beach, if you just want to get out of your house but still, you know, do some uh, artwork or do some, you know, email triaging or you know check out some reports or just you know read some comics or whatever, uh, and you want to get away from your house, the LTE option I think of this Go thing is pretty awesome. And I'll jump. Uh, I'll jump us over into our third topic, which is. Uh, Microsoft Xbox. We got everything here. We got some new Xbox numbers and some news about discontinued Xbox. And the first story here is that the Xbox Series X and Series S sold about 12 million consoles, which is uh, not official numbers because Microsoft never officially reports Xbox sales for some reason, just like they don't with Surface. But this is according to Nico Partners analyst Daniel Ahmad. He estimated that the next-gen consoles are about 12 million, which is based on uh, Xbox, which is even higher than Xbox One and Xbox 360 lifetime sales. And Xbox head Phil Spencer, he said that uh, demand for current-gen consoles, as we've been seeing every 
every week for like the last year or so that the demand will still be high and the supply isn't necessarily there, but they're trying their best. Uh, I, I've seen the Series S in stock all over at Amazon for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's something I wrote about when I wrote about PC sales, which I don't think we have listed here, but uh, I'll briefly cover it. Uh, PC sales uh, on the year have risen. The fourth quarter was a little bit of a dip, uh, and part of that, I think analysts were, were kind of blaming Chrome books uh, right. for that. Uh, just people were kind of, I guess, either, either the market's, education market in North America is kind of saturated by it, or people are just picking uh, more powerful PCs. Whatever the reason was, there was a dip. But overall, uh, I think the uh, market has been up, uh, showing, you know, indicating that during the pandemic has kind of changed people's priorities. More people are having uh, dual devices. You, you right. sometimes used to have a home that would have you know, four or five people using a single device, maybe an all-in-one or a very old laptop, but now everyone's kind of getting their own device. Uh, so, and I said all that to say this, is that Xbox has been telling us and PlayStation has been telling us there's been a chip shortage and that, you know, production has been short and that uh, we, you know, get, it, get them when they can. You, you go to your Target or your GameStop and they have like five or six and that's it. But it doesn't seem to be slowing them down. If this is, if they're doing better, than what the Xbox One did when it had full availability, no pandemic, and no chip shortage. So it's interesting to see how how this is working out for them. Uh, and again, these are estimates, uh, so you know it could be a million or so light, but it's still pretty good, uh, especially for a console that has had only two exclusives in the what last two years that it's been available, uh, and both of them came out in the same year. You have Forza and you have Halo. Uh, you know there was a big talk about. PlayStation coming out with all these exclusives right off the bat and how it would blow everything out of the water. Uh, I mean, I, what I, I've written about this as well. I think that the pandemic has actually helped Microsoft kind of slow the tide and kind of change people's uh, thinking about exclusives, especially when you have something like Game Pass allowing everyone who's staying at home to just play as many games as they want. Exclusives become, time between exclusives becomes, you know, irrelevant. You don't waste time thinking like, oh, when did I get to the exclusive? You're just like, what's the next game I want to play? So, uh, I said all that to say this is that it seems that uh, Microsoft is doing rather well uh, with all things considered as far as Xbox is concerned. And but they're still discontinuing their older Xbox One, which is what started which they it all. Should. Yeah, they already announced. Uh, I think it was in 2020 that they discontinued the the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X, which were I think la- last gen consoles at this point. But now they also confirmed to The Verge that to focus on production of current Xbox Series X and S, they have stopped production for all Xbox One consoles by the end of year 2020. That was a from Cindy Walker, Senior Director of Xbox Console Product, product Marketing, in a statement to The Verge. So no more original fat boy Xbox Ones out there on store shelves, even though I still have mine on my table i'm still using it you could still keep using it just fine if you still have it it doesn't mean that all of a sudden it will stop working they even I push mean, i mean unless you know. you're in a submarine <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> but but they no, they it, push they they pushed game pass and x cloud to it yeah. so you're still getting next gen games on your original xbox one through the cloud so it's not like there's a reason to fully stop supporting it anytime soon yeah, no, the, I mean, Microsoft is, you know, for better or for worse, supports things way beyond their lifespan anyway. So uh, I think the idea is when once they switched over to servers running on the uh, Series X series, and S yeah. blades, 
there was no real reason to keep uh, production, keep making uh, uh, the consoles for Xbox One. So, I mean, this has probably been a year or so in the making. We're just not getting the announcements forward. Uh, this, like you said, this will allow them to free up some of the production channels to start using the materials to make more Xbox uh, Series uh, X and S's for people in general. Uh, and the Xbox Series S, I believe, I mean, it's coming in relatively cheap. Uh, I don't know how much more cheaper it can come in under an old Xbox or refurbished Xbox One. Like, I think they're right around 50 or so bucks different. So why not yep. just go for the next generation? And speaking of next generation, Microsoft has a next generation education device that I want to show off for our fourth uh, topic here. But yeah. I need to get situated for a bit. So while I do that, you, maybe you could talk about it for our lovely audience. Yes, uh, we are going to be talking about the Surface Laptop SE, not the Surface Laptop Go, because that's where my mind went. It, you know, they, I believe Microsoft came out, was it last year uh, with the Surface Laptop Go? Uh, or yeah, right around the end of 2020, um, with this device, which was supposed to be their education device, their low-end Surface Laptop device for education. But it seems like they have a more dedicated version, which is, I mean, the Surface Laptop uh, Go was kind of a mix of, you know, premium materials plus, you know, inexpensive ones, even though it was still a relatively expensive device. The Surface Laptop SE is mostly, I believe, if not, uh, and I believe uh, Airflow kind of uh, uh, correct us on this. It's mostly all plastic, so they went full scale, full bore with uh, with the cheaper or more inexpensive materials, and they're putting a new version of Windows on it. Of course, because everything needs to have a version of Windows. Uh, I still think the Windows uh, 10s or Windows 10s, which should now be just called Windows 11s, was a good uh, operating system to kind of put on these devices to lock it down. Uh, they just need to make a few tweaks here and there to compete with Chromebooks, but it looks like they're going to be putting a different version of Windows that isn't Windows uh, 11 or 10S or which should be 11S. It's now Windows 11 SE, and I believe you're going to get a chance to review that as well. Um, but I think you kind of are just reviewing it from the person who's getting the device uh, and kind of testing it out and see what the limitations are as far as Windows uh, 11 SE is concerned, as far as the device is concerned, I mean, connectivity, uh, you know, can it can power multiple monitors, not, uh, which I'm not sure if it needs to because it's a student device, uh, the weight of it, you know, if kids are gonna be carrying this in their backpack uh, or putting this on a desk uh, at home, because uh, I think, you know, that's probably their intended purpose. Uh, we're gonna get into all of that, uh, which I think once your setup is, is complete, I can stop rambling. Do I don't know what I'm back, oh. do you hear me fine? He's back. Okay, yeah, we hear you. All right. I think you should uh, turn off your video so that way we can get this full screen. You got it. Yep. Temporarily, of course. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So now in the recording, it should be full screen so you can just see the uh, Surface laptop. Kareem, you could still see it, right? I can see it. Just fine. All yep. right, so here we go. So this is the Surface Laptop SE from Microsoft. This is a education-oriented uh, device. It's not meant for people like you and me or who are end consumers to purchase through the Microsoft Store. If you really want one of these, you could buy it, but you would have to buy it through Microsoft's partners. There is a bunch of them. There's CDN and there's also Connection. Uh, I got mines through connection and it's there. It's all plastic. Uh, one of the first all plastic surface devices, but just because it's plastic, it doesn't mean that 
it's cheap. It's still a pretty, pretty nice and pretty hefty surface. If you hold it in your hand, it, it's slim and it's light and it feels premium, but it doesn't feel cheap. If you ever held one of those low-end Chromebooks, that's probably what this would end up feeling like. And it's, <laughs> but but don't let it don't let that fool you though, because once you open up the lid, right right here, you get this fantastic keyboard, which is almost the same as the one on the Surface Laptop Three. It's a pretty jumpy, pretty springy, and if I push down on it, of course, with plastic, you see some flex, but with the keyboard itself, it's it's really springy and it's it's really it feels really nice to type on. And of course, the trackpad here is plastic, so you you would have to expect that for an education device. But the keyboard itself is nice and the, the trackpad is plastic. But the parts of the surface that we usually would take a beating in an education situation, like the trackpad, like the the palm rest here, this is very strong. You see if I'm trying to bend it or, or, or press on it, it doesn't bend. Same thing here with the screen, you see there's not much flex to it. So the, the parts of the laptop that would take a beating through students, they're, they're, they're very well. And one thing I do want to note is that if you turn all over the laptop and you look at the back here, you see these are torque screws. So if, if, if this were to break, the, the uh, IT person in school, they could unscrew these screws right here and you you would pry, pry open the device here from the top in the corner. You'd be able to lift up this keyboard deck and get inside and replace whatever is broken. I believe Microsoft put out a video there showing, showing off how modular the device is, but even though that is one step for repairability, you cannot change the RAM or the storage in it. Everything is soldered down. Yeah, I don't know if Microsoft mentioned this. Uh, I don't know if you have information on that, but do did they incorporate a spill-resistant keyboard of any sort? I don't think it is spill-resistant. If you throw okay. water on it, it will still it will still mess it up. But what they what they did talk about is the fact that you would be able to change the keyboard more easily. So instead of like if it breaks or if something spills on it, you would just lift up the uh, screw out the screws from the back, or lift out the keyboard and put a new one in. You could buy the spare parts from Microsoft. That's pretty cool. Yep. And this runs Windows 11 SE, which is apparently doing updates right now. So this is <laughs> gotta love when Windows does its thing, right? It, it's powered by Windows 11 SE and a, a Celeron processor, which is one of those low-end processors. So I have the higher-end model here, which has eight gigabytes of eight gigabytes of RAM and 128 gigabytes of storage. But my editor-in-chief, Kip, he has the one that has four gigabytes of RAM and I think 64 gigabytes of storage. So it, he has a lower end model and I have the higher end one. And his one is a dual core processor and my one is the quad core processor. So this, this one is a little better performing versus what you would get over the base model. But this one is also slightly more expensive by 200 or $300 or so. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask you, uh, I don't know if people were wondering about this, but is is that a matte screen or gloss? It is a matte screen, but it is still very reflective compared to your, you know, your your glass, your glass screens that you have on the Surface laptops or the Surface Pros. 
Yeah, no, I was just saying that's something of note uh, because, you know, we get uh, everything's always been pin, uh, pin first. So I didn't know with a matte screen, are they incorporating pin or is this just a, uh, a non-touch? A non-touch. Display? See, if I'm touching it, the mouse doesn't move. It's just the regular TN panel, no non-touch. And when I posted my photos on Twitter, everyone wanted to know if this is a capacitive button that does something. Well, it doesn't do anything. It's just a Microsoft logo. Kind of remind people what they're using if the update screen doesn't <laughs> if the update screen doesn't remind them. But tell you the truth, if I were in school and I was handed this thing, I would be proud to use it. It doesn't look cheap at all, and it looks very premium while you're using it, and it feels very nice while you're using it. And you said the keyboard is like a Surface Laptop three, Surf or is it more like Surf the or Surface la or the Surface Book? Because I know the Surface, Surface Book had a Surface, la Surface Laptop three, where the keys are springy, the key travel. And the way the keys feel when you press them down, it is exactly the same as the Surface Laptop 3. No difference. And do you get any speed or latency uh, issues with the uh, trackpad? Since it's plastic and not the glass it's normally used? Coming from using the Laptop Studio, which has one of the best trackpads on any laptop uh, in 2022, mm -hmm. I would say it's very annoying for me. To have okay. to go back to using a small hunk of plastic, but right. for education users, it's probably not going to be a very big issue. Okay, and I mean uh, speakers and stuff like that are speakers are they... are inside on the bottom here. Bottom you could see okay. you could see two speakers, right? One here and one here, and they're bottom facing, so they're not the very best. But for students, which is what this device is for, it should be okay. I mean, I and... listened to YouTube on it, and I heard my how-to tutorials and my videos just fine, including the podcast. I watched the podcast on this last <laughs> week and everything, we sounded beautiful. Oh, I'd love to hear that. Um, how about the connectivity? What kind of ports are we talking about for this thing? So right here, we have traditional USB-A. Uh, are you seeing it? Yeah, you should yeah, be seeing it. See it. You have USB-A and then you have USB-C. And this USB-C port is, uh, can also do charging. And the USB-A port, it's a USB-A port. But note that this thing here is a barrel charger, not your traditional Surface Connect port. So you'll end up having to connect a barrel charger in the instances where you don't have access to USB-C. It's interesting that they didn't go for the, uh, what is there, their proprietary MagSafe-like uh, thing, just because... I think the part of the benefit of it was that if it ever got pulled out, it wouldn't take your laptop with it. Yeah, but I think for students, What's that's, way too, think, that's way too fancy for them, right? Well, I think that'd be just ideal for them. I mean, how many students are running past each other across the desk or something and maybe pulling the, the core? I mean, I don't know. I haven't been in a school with laptops in a long time. Uh, when I was there, we used paper and pen and it sucked. But for anybody <laughs> in classrooms, mm -hmm. Uh, where they have, you know, charging cables and things like that. If you were to run past the desk, wouldn't you hope that it would just pull out the cable and leave the laptop? That's true. Uh, the, I, I should have bought the charger down with me, because, but I forget things, and that's one thing I forgot. But yeah. if you ever seen a Chromebook charger for those cheap yeah. Chromebooks, that's pretty much what it looks like. It's not nothing fancy. I mean, uh, you probably also save money on that too, because I'm sure I'm sure they don't have the USB-A uh, additional charging thing on there on the. Power brick, do they? 
Uh, it doesn't support fast charging, by the way. It's just standard charging. Even if you plug in a 100-watt USB-C charger to it, it'll mm -hmm. just charge it normally. And how long does it take to charge uh, on average? I would say like an hour or two hours, not too, not too long. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, those are all the questions I have. I mean, it looks nice. It look oh, there goes a the power screen. Well, now, well, now here we go. It finally <laughs> finished installing updates. So here we go. We have the Service Laptop SC, which runs Windows 11 SC. There's no Windows Hello. This is not a Windows Hello webcam. There's no fingerprint reader. So to log in, you'll need to use a PIN, like like I have set up here. And it, it, it it's slow. It's not going to be the <laughs> fastest thing out there when you started up from fresh for the first time. But once you get going with it, and it's been a while, it, it's pretty fast, especially because on Windows 11 SE, the, the apps you install on the device, they need to be uh, configured by an IT admin through Microsoft Intune because it's intended for use in education audiences, right? So yeah. if you try and install an app on your own, like Google Chrome, or even if you have an MSIX file for an app like, say, Sketchbook, it won't work because you're locked out of it thanks to the Intune thing that Microsoft is using here. But Google yeah. Chrome will install fine if you're an IT admin. You could push it to the device through Intune, but end users like you and me, if you buy this thing and you sign in with your Microsoft account, you won't be able to install any Win32 apps or any Microsoft Store apps. There is no Microsoft Store app on this, by the way. Well, that's what I was going to ask. What are the differences between Windows 10S and Windows 11 SE? Do you, are there other than, I guess, the Microsoft Store app, right? The number one difference is that the Microsoft Store app is not there. Yeah, that's a huge difference, actually. That is also... Another difference is the the ta the way that the software works. I think I had a video up about this on the YouTube, but I'll, I'll just show it here. And if, if it's not showing right, I could do B-roll. But uh, File Explorer will also always open full screen on Windows 11 SE. So you see there, if I click it, it opens full screen. That's one of the unique behaviors of the operating system. And then there's no widgets. You see here, it's not on the taskbar. And if I go into settings and I look for it, it also won't show up in the settings either. So they they completely remove the widgets from it. Ooh, and the, the full screen app opening, that reminds me of, uh, you know, the old touchscreen version of Windows 10 and uh, Windows 10S, or yeah, Windows 10. So I'm wondering but if But it's that not full, it... full screen. It just opens the window full screen, but you could dr still drag it around if you want to. What well, so I'm wondering, like, it, will they bring that to touch, though, for Windows 11 at some point? Uh, I hope they do. That would be nice. Yeah, right? Like if you were in a touch mode, like if you were to flip down the, the laptop uh, for, or the screen from the Windows uh, Laptop SE, or if you were to detach the keyboard from the Surface Pro 8 or Surface Pro X or Surface Go, would it then just say like, all right, well, we're going to you know, put you know, your window opening into full screen mode? That would and be here, great. Here's an example. I'm trying to install Twitter and and it does not install. It'll give you an error code. Uh, it's blocked by Intune and it's blocked by AppGuard. There's a, then also here Chrome. If I try and install a Win32 app, it says it won't run on your PC. You need to contact your support person for more information. That that's again showing. I'm not lying here about the limits in Windows 11 SE. <laughs> so I mean, but theoretically speaking, your IT person could load those up just through Intune, though, right? Yeah, they could load it up, but not. 
not every single app that exists in the face of this planet. There's only yeah. a certain, there's six categories of apps that could be loaded through Intune to the Microsoft, to mm -hmm. through Intune through, to these devices, and they need to be pre-approved by Microsoft. Okay, I mean, that makes sense. So, yeah. I mean, it, I think it'll serve just as it's intended to, you know, a lockdown version uh, of an operating system. I mean, it's the unfortunate part is that it still needs in tune management, so to speak, and I think that yeah. need, I think that's where Microsoft needs to do a lot more work to help out schools uh, because you know some schools may or may not have a dedicated person; they may have a part-time person, someone who needs to flip these devices and flip app permissions and management on the fly, uh, and you know maybe they necessarily need to take a class on how Intune works. So if Microsoft can start working on the Intune version of that, I think they'll be able to kind of keep up with uh, Chrome OS, uh, which I think that's its big saving grace. So I find that. Chrome, uh, Google, ed, you know, Google Education Platform, which I think is probably you know second to none. Uh, their permissions and management of the operating system is probably its biggest seller. And it's a pretty so, clean install of Windows 11, though, because you get a couple of the stock apps, like you get Groove Music and you get Calculator, you get Photos, you get your Settings app, you get Whiteboard, and you even get all of the core Microsoft 365 apps pre-installed, but you'll still need to activate it with your own Microsoft account, but you get you get the bulk of the apps pre-installed there. That's awesome. I mean, it seems but like a pretty good Some things are also missing too. Like if you try and open command prompt and you search for it, command prompt won't open up. Like it says, oh, it won't run on your PC, but it's there, but it's just blocked by the IT admin. Well, which is great because command prompt can get you in a lot of trouble as I've learned over the years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially if you don't know what you're doing. But it still looks and it still feels like Windows 11, but they're just a small couple tweaks here and there. Yeah, I was going to say, we might have to see if we can find a way to kind of compare that with the, the uh, Surface Laptop uh, Go. I'm hoping, I, I, would, I would think that uh, I've used the original Surface Go before, and I've also used the Laptop SE, and I've also used a Laptop Go, but I think the Laptop Go is more high-end than this, especially mm -hmm. considering of the, the the processors that you have inside that, which are Core i3s and Core i5s. This is Celeron. This is more close in performance to an original Surface Go than it is anything else. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, where does this sit in the in the lineup of things? So, for our Surface Laptop Studio, is the top performing performant device that they offer right now that isn't an all-in-one or something. And then you work your way down to the Surface Laptop, uh, the Surface, which is on par with the Surface Pro. They're just different form factors. Where does the Surface Laptop go and the Surface uh, Laptop SC sit? I mean, like, is it just an age difference? Do you, do you give this device to, you know, kids from uh, kindergarten uh, through sixth grade or something, and then switch them over to the laptop search lap. I mean, the Surface Laptop Go. I mean, like, because it's not a college one. You think at some point the college device would just be the Surface Laptop and the Surface Laptop Studio. So, are they going to just discontinue the Go and replace with this, or what do you think? I don't think they'll replace the Go. The Microsoft said from the get-go, pun intended, is that the Surface Laptop SE is meant to live alongside all those other devices. This is more of a specifically tuned for education with Intune and with all of the limits that I just showed you there. So I think it would always live alongside those as an option. I don't think it would event replace anything in the lineup. 
Okay. I just, and again, I, I know that, and I wonder if the difference is only that the Surface Laptop Go is commercial based, like consumer based versus yeah. uh, this one where you can only get it through specific channels and maybe that'll be it going forward. So yeah, uh, I think maybe I've answered my own question. Surface Laptop Go for the <laughs> a- is for the average Joe because it rhymes and the Surface Laptop SE is just for education. Oh, and there we go. Um, we didn't have any questions, but if you guys have any questions or comments about it, just shoot us a tweet or shoot us a message and I'll do my best to answer it. So that that's all I have for, for this. And we'll be going back to the regular programming now that I just got some hands on here with the Laptop SE. All right, and I think I'm back. I just need to change my video and audio settings. And I'm back too. <laughs> it's good to be back, right? Yeah. For those of you who are saying or sighing right now, hoping that you didn't have to see me again, we'll try to make it short. We're going to get into the quick part of the podcast, uh, which is our week ahead, essentially. Yep, oh, uh, sorry. Nope. Fast our recap. Fast recap. Yeah. <laughs> so quick. I almost forgot about it. Uh, so get us started here with the first story in the fast recap. I always pronounce this incorrectly, so I apologize if, uh, once again for doing so. But Mojang, oh, Mojang, 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 uh, postponed its Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm sure everyone at, at Minecraft or the Minecraft studios are like, shut up, you two. Uh, but they postponed their second Minecraft Now live stream due to COVID-19 uh, concerns. Uh, we were just talking off mic. Why didn't they just go virtual? Because it feels like this is something that could be done uh through virtual uh, kind of a conferencing, but I guess there's some in-studio stuff that they have, uh, or at least had planned. So the specifics are that it was actually going to be airing yesterday. Uh, But like you said, it's been postponed. Uh, The first episode of Minecraft now aired on YouTube on December 9th, uh, and Bojang said that uh, at the time that it would make the beginning of the monthly live streams to engage, make these live streams monthly to engage the Minecraft community, Unfortunately, uh, things have kind of gotten out of hand with this new strain. So uh, they're being cautious and you know pausing it for this month. Hopefully, uh, these numbers come down after January or at least start to just uh, subside and they can get back to normal practices. Because uh, because previously stated, they have lots of exciting gameplay, special deep dives with the content creators uh, and Venom and community art. And for the second Minecraft Now episode, uh, I mean that's all that was supposed to be coming out. So. I don't think they've gotten rid of that content. They're just going to, you know, we might have to wait till February to get that one. And our second story is relating to Microsoft 365. Uh, Microsoft had a little bit of an event on January 12th where they talked about their new work trend index special report. And as part of that report, they are releasing new features for Microsoft 365 just for frontline workers. and. You could check out our website for the full details, but they announced an expanded partnership with Zebra Technologies to bring the walkie-talkie app in Teams to more devices. They also announced a Reflexes Shifts connectors for Teams uh, that's hitting general availability. They announced new ways to manage virtual appointments in bookings. They also announced that the approvals in Power Apps and changes to find misplaced devices for IT admins who use Microsoft Endpoint Manager. And they also announced some new modules for Viva Learning and Viva Connection. So that's just the gulp of the news there in a minute or less for Microsoft 365 and for frontline workers. Yeah, so keep an eye on that. Uh, we're shifting over to Microsoft, once again, proving that they know nothing about mobile. 
Uh, Microsoft <laughs> is shutting down yet another mobile game. Uh, it's Microsoft Forza Street Mobile. Uh, I mean, admittedly, it's a bad game. So maybe this is for the best. Uh, Apparently, it's one of the worst games they ever made. Yeah, our, our uh, gaming guru, Laurent, was talking about how bad it was. And it was chock full of uh, kind of those, uh, what are they called? Uh, freemium kind of uh, Free to models. play, but pay to play model. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was chock full of that kind of stuff to kind of go after people's uh, extra dollars. They basically just leveraged the uh, IP, uh, but didn't do a very good job of it. And this kind of adds to <laughs> The list of games that they've kind of failed on mobile, uh, including Age of Empires, Castle Siege, Gears Pop, and Minecraft Earth. Uh, so, I mean, unless it's Solitaire or, or what is that weird word game that they have? Microsoft is... Wordament, Wordament. Yeah, Wordament, which is, I think is excellent. Uh, they should update that. Uh, they have proven that they are over, I mean, or at least two for six or something like that when it comes to mobile games. So we'll see what the next one is that they bring out and kind of shudder uh, in the future. And our last story in the fast recap relates to Apple because Microsoft stole away an Apple employee. They hired Mike Filippo. I apologize if I get um, saying the name wrong, if you're listening, Mike. But uh, he's he used to work at Apple and he used to he was there for five years and he also worked at Intel and at ARM and he will be at Microsoft in his new position. He will work on a, a SOC chip for Azure servers. So that's good. It seems like Windows 10 on Windows 11 on ARM could be getting a boost. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, we're talking about Azure here, so we'll see if any of that bleeds over to the actual stuff we like. But, but remember uh, the Microsoft Pluton chip, they insisted that it was first for, um, I think they also said it's something, a, a technology that they used in their Azure servers. But uh, as we talked about last week, it also made its way over to laptops from AMD. So there's a chance here that even though the bigger picture is Azure, it could eventually boil down to consumers too. Yes, I love your optimism. I'm keeping fingers <laughs> crossed for the same thing. Uh, but I just want to make sure that everyone doesn't kind of run out and start you know, screaming at the high heavens that, oh, we're going to get our, our own version of the M1 chip. This is strictly for servers at the moment. Uh, like you said, maybe it'll trickle down into uh, actual devices that we all use every day. But we're just uh, letting you know that Apple's got, I mean, Apple lost one, Microsoft got one. And I think that said, we got through our fast recap, which means it's time for a week ahead. Yeah, from our week ahead, we'll be talking about the fallout of Microsoft agreeing to third-party reviews uh, on its harassment uh, discrimination policies. I wrote a piece about it earlier today, uh, where Microsoft has essentially uh, approved a third-party audit of their own sexual harassment and uh, gender discrimination policies and practices. Uh, what this, you know, what this actually means is that this company will just say, "Hey, you're doing a good job," or "You need to change these few things." Uh, but what is more important is that this information will eventually become public. So, if Microsoft is doing a bad job, ideally, this is what should be coming out saying Microsoft has failed in these areas, but needs to improve. Satya Nadella is behind this. Uh, you know, he had been part of the statement agreeing that he wants to learn from this. Uh, he didn't say anything about transparency, but he does say that he wants the company to learn from it. And this has been kind of an ongoing thing. I believe in 2018, uh, Microsoft was hit by uh, uh, several discrimination uh, lawsuits and a company-wide email that listed a bunch of uh, ones that weren't actually taken uh, to court or investigated. Add on the fact that Bill Gates has uh, recently been in the news uh, for a sexual harassment as well, and <laughs> while while he was a board member, but not uh, necessarily working with the company every day. Uh, 
what this also means is that they won't be investigating that, relitigating that or reinvestigating that, but they will see uh, if the way that they conducted their investigation was on the par. Uh, what this also does is help set a standard in the industry for uh, companies going forward. If uh, Microsoft does this, ideally other companies will be pressured to do the same, especially if the results are uh, up to par for the people who are pushing for this. And that's it. I think we got through everything that we wanted to talk to for a week ahead, unless you have anything you want to add. Uh, what are you no, working uh, on? Basically, what are you working on? What cool have, gadgets do you have next? I have a gaming rig that I need to review. Uh, that's it for right now. I'm waiting for a lot of this ES stuff that was announced to start hitting my inbox. So that'll probably be, usually it takes about a month or two. Uh, but we should be getting all of that cool stuff that we talked about last week about uh, foldable screens and, and dual screens and all that stuff from CES uh, to kind of review uh, as it's being released again. These are all the H-series chips, so keep that in mind. Uh, you know, This will be heavy gaming, heavy uh, production devices coming up. Uh, but other than that, I got nothing else really. It's a couple of devices here and there. I think I got some light. Oh, I just put out a piece about the uh, augmented reality device uh, glasses coming from uh, ThinkPad. Or from oh, that was device. really cool. That was like, is it like, a lot like HoloLens? It, uh, I've even said in my report uh, that it actually is better than HoloLens. Uh, and I say that knowing full well that, you know, they're work, they've been working on HoloLens. There is just that it's development's taking forever for them. The field of view, as far as I can tell, hasn't been improved. What uh, Lenovo did was they leveraged, you know, a wired connection, which is, you know, the big caveat. HoloLens doesn't use a wired connection. Right. But uh, by doing so, they've eliminated all of the obstacles that HoloLens has run into as far as, uh, the weight and, and the power and the heat and all that kind of stuff. It's all you know, just on. And you think you can use several, I think it's about 12 different Lenovo devices that were approved for it. And a, and a phone, which is, that was pretty awesome. They have the Moto, Moto G100, which will allow you to kind of take this device on the, on the go. Uh, but again, it's all connected through a wire. But with that being said, the glasses are much lighter. The field of view is much wider. So I think they're a step ahead of Microsoft actually in doing so. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, I'm I'm going to work more on the Surface Laptop SE. I'm going to try and use it for education purposes uh, instead of as a, you know, as a consumer and see what what's how that experience is like. So look out for that next week. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, you can find me pretty much at Mindhead1 on Twitter. Uh, where can people find you? Abac Jern. Yeah, and for all the news uh, of the week, you can find it uh, on Microsoft on Twitter. Uh, you can also find some snippets of our podcast on Instagram. If you're a gamer, you can head over to Pinterest, where Brad keeps us updated with that uh, full well. Uh, also follow Laurent. Uh, he's uh, kind of our gaming expert. He's got tons of information about uh, things that relate to Xbox. Uh, we can also update you guys on all the team stuff. And uh, so we, we've got a whole bunch of new stuff coming out. We've welcomed some new writers, so expect to see some how-tos and some more features uh, coming through the, uh, on our website. We want to thank you guys again for joining us this week. Uh, we hope you guys have a great and safe week. All right, everyone. Take care. See you again soon. Same place, same time. All right. Stay safe.